Hey everybody, it's your buddy, Alan Weatherford. And Christian Weatherford. And we are here with just the zoo of us, as we are every week, except this week it's a little different. Usually we rate and review species of animals out of 10 in three categories, but this week we are kicking it. We're taking it a little more cash this week. Yeah, you've got them burning questions, and we've got those interesting answers. We do. So the day that this goes up will be the one-year anniversary of the very first time this podcast was published. Feels like a lifetime ago. I know, doesn't it? It feels <laughs> weird that it's only our first anniversary. It feels like we've been doing this forever. I know. Maybe that's just because of the warped time perception <laughs> from the last couple of months. Uh, <laughs> that alone feels like it's been its own year. But you know what? What? This time we can say we are experts in the topic. <laughs> yeah, because the topic is our own show that we made and nobody <laughs> knows anything about it except for us. So yeah, no disclaimer required. This is all about us. Yeah. Um, so we opened the floor up to you people, you very kind folks, to ask us questions that you want to know about us, about the show, about animals, any sort of stuff like that. And you guys had some awesome questions. So we're really excited to tackle those. Um, before we get started, though, I wanted to give you guys a quick glimpse at our dashboard for a little one-year update. Because some of you guys have been listening since the beginning. Like some of y'all were there with us on day one. And so I thought it would be cool to kind of let people know how much we've grown and what the numbers say All right. about how we're doing. As of this recording, we have been listened to 20,313 times. Nice. Yep. I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Considering that we, you know, started this with no audience, <laughs> like <laughs> we were not podcasters before this and kind of had to build it up from nothing. That's pretty good yeah. for one year. We just plugged in the mics and pressed go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, it really has been a big learning experience, but that that's a lot of growth for one year. So I feel like that was great. It was way more than I expected. <laughs> Doing great. Yeah, uh, we've been listened to in, would you like to guess how many countries? Um, I'm going to say 20. You're not even close. Oh, man. 54. Oh, sweet. <laughs> I thought I overshot. <laughs> no, 54 different countries we've been heard in. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? You want to guess our top three countries? Uh, I'm going to guess the United States is up there. There you go. You got it. Yeah, is, number one. Uh, you might not guess the number two country. Australia? Nope. You, the UK. Nope. Canada. Nope. That's the number three one, though. Oh, so close. Yeah. Mm, what continent? Europe. France? Yes, it's France. Whoa. Our number two country that has listened to us the most is France. All right, cool. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> so also what I wanted to update you guys on is our ad revenue, because we kind of made a goal for this project to... Any sort of ad revenue that we generate, we donate to conservation-geared nonprofits. And as of this recording, we've generated $345. Awesome. Yeah. So that has been donated to a lot of different nonprofits, mm -hmm. including the Wildlife Conservation Network, WIRES, which is the Wildlife Information Rescue and Education Service in Australia, the Giraffe Conservation Foundation, the Houston Audubon Society, and the Yellow-Eyed Penguin Trust. Um, and a few other little ones along the way, too, but those are the ones that I really wanted to highlight. Awesome. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, lots of, lots of cool stuff. The, the revenue that we get from Patreon helps to offset the costs associated with the show. Mm -hmm. So things like hosting the website, maintaining our domain, maintaining like Google storage space, all that sort of stuff that we have to pay for, um, gets paid for by Patreon. So we're able to use our ad money to actually give it to good causes. This, by the way, is the perfect opportunity to thank the patrons that make the show happen. This month, I'd like to thank Jacob Jones, April Kamik, Vikram Baliga, Brianna Feinberg, Dalton Weeks, Brandon Everfolly, Megan Clark, Paul Chomo, The Jungle Gym Queen, and Christina Sanders. Thanks, y'all. Fantastic. Yeah. So that is our kind of like year one wrap up update. I think it's time for some questions. Perfect. Do you want to read the first one? Sure. Awesome. So our first question is, to both Alan and Christian, which episode of the podcast was your favorite, and which was the most fun to research? This comes from Dalton Weeks via Facebook. And this also came to us from Kyle Rauch via email. They both asked which episode was our favorite. Ah, so yeah, w which one was your favorite? I'd say my favorite one, when I'm talking about recording, was the Botfly episode. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of the one you're most infamous for. Right. So the reason I enjoyed that was your reactions. <laughs> so our listeners got to hear the, the audio reactions, but mm -hmm. I got to see the facial reactions, yeah, too. Yeah, you got really the full effect. <laughs> and then also the ensuing fallout among our <laughs> listener community. They about revolted. <laughs> they about got kicked off the show. <laughs> They didn't care for that. How about you? What was your favorite? My favorite so far that we've done has was the pollinator power hour that we did in in, in episode 15 when we talked about... I talked about the flying fox mm -hmm. and you talked about the honeybee. Oh, yeah. I thought that one was really fun. I liked that. That was like a feel-good episode. Yeah. I liked that one. And that was also the one where Steam Power Giraffe let us play the song Honeybee oh, on you're that right. episode. Oh, right. It's really exciting. Oh, this is like the best of. <laughs> but what about the most fun to research? For me, I had the most fun researching the horseshoe crab. Mm, very funky guy. Yeah. It wasn't just the crab itself, but also the parts of the medical industry that its blood is associated with. Yeah. So all that stuff about testing, uh, you know, medical equipment before they could be used. Didn't know any of that even existed. But, right. Uh, at least not at that specific detail, you know. I think that's the most exciting thing for me is when you get to... you think that an animal is going to be pretty straightforward mm -hmm. but then you find some weird rabbit hole to go down <laughs> yeah. and you just keep going further and further and you realize that like answering one question brings up five more questions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's always really exciting to me oh yeah my favorite animal to research has been i have two the platypus was one that was really fun for me it was fun but it was also frustrating because every single time i found anything about the platypus it sounded so off the wall and bizarre that I had to like triple check everything because <laughs> nothing about them sounds real. Like everything about them sounds fake and made up. So every single time I found something, I'd be like, there's no way. <laughs> so I have to find like three sources for it <laughs> to make sure I was confident enough to put it in the show. But something I really enjoyed about the platypus was learning a lot about monotreme evolution um, mm -hmm. And like learning how far back they split off from mammals and kind of going into some interesting evolutionary history of not only monotremes, but also of like marsupials and placental mammals. That was really fun for me. Um, and the other one I had a lot of fun researching was the axolotl. Oh, yeah. Because that one was really cool that they're, they have such like bizarre 
regeneration capabilities. Mm -hmm. And then there's some interesting stuff going on with their weird stunted life cycle. Like that one was really cool. Yeah, for sure. That was one that like I definitely did not know as much as I thought I did going Mm -hmm. into it. That was really cool. Yeah, I agree. So our next question comes to us from George Diaz via Twitter. And he asks, what is your favorite cryptid? Christian, do you have a favorite cryptid? So I'm admittedly not super familiar with cryptids. Yeah, that's not really your scene. I am familiar, though, with some through popular culture. Some things like, you know, the Loch Ness Monster, Kraken, Bigfoot, uh, Mothman even. Is Kraken a cryptid or is it just like a mythological thing? At least on Wikipedia it is listed as a a cryptid. (laughs) Do you have a favorite not really. No. I mean, I've 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 got different associations with each of those. Sure. Uh, surprisingly, the you know the the game Fallout seventy six <laughs> uh, had a, has a ton of cryptids in there because that, that's a very popular thing in the Appalachia part of the United States. And I feel like uh, that came out right around the same time that the Adventure Zone was doing their whole amnesty arc that was full yes, of cryptids. Yeah, for sure. So that was just really like there was a real pop culture cryptid rush yeah. for a while there. Like, la- was that last year? That's closer to two years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it was like both were happening at the same time. So, like, Appalachian cryptids became like the thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say that my favorite cryptid is probably the Loch Ness Monster. Because I think when I was a little kid, I figured that the Loch Ness Monster resembles a plesiosaur, which I was always very, very interested in because they're just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think they look like a Pokemon. Like, they're so cool. And I really was hopeful as a little kid that they were <laughs> real and that that would mean that someday I would get to actually see a real life plesiosaur. Oh. So it kind of got my hopes up. But at this point, you know, that's that's no longer a, a, a dream of mine. <laughs> but I think the Loch Ness Monster was the one that excited me the most. Okay, And so... A similar question to that one along the cryptid vein was also submitted by Kyle Rauch via email, and he asked if we would ever consider doing a cryptid episode. We kind of considered doing something like that for this year's April Fool's Day episode. It was one of the many ideas we bounced around for April Fool's Day. Mm -hmm. We had so many, like, what if we did this? What if we did this? Um, And cryptids was one of them. Isaac really wanted to be on the show this year. So April Fool's Day is also his birthday. Right. So it happened to work out that, you know, I I had this cute little idea for him to do his Doomerang episode for his birthday. And that worked out because our plans for his birthday had to get canceled this year because his birthday is on April 1st. And that was like right at the height of the pandemic when everything was closed. Right. So we did not get to follow through with his birthday plan. So I really wanted to do something fun with him. And that seemed like a cute little Thing to do so for sure this year we did isaac's episode for his birthday who knows next year though there's yeah. always 2021 we'll see yeah that's definitely a contender among the few different ideas we have mm-hmm. hopefully we'll be kicking around for quite a few years so hopefully we'll have a few shots at a, some different april fool's day episodes right. uh you want to read the next one yeah it's question number three if you two could communicate freely with an animal which of all the animals that you've covered on your podcast would you want to communicate with the most? Which comes to us from Sean Allen at the Petri Dish podcast via email. You first. I picked the European eel. Okay. I would love to talk to a European eel. I think because their life cycle is so incredible and they travel such vast distances. 
to the point that we don't know where they go for parts of their migration and parts of their like there's just chunks of their life where they're like i don't know (laughs) i don't know what they're doing somewhere yeah like they're somewhere out there in the ocean um and so i think that the stories that they could tell about making that journey as a really small little eel all the way from the sargasso sea which is over near north america all the way into europe and then into these like narrow freshwater rivers and and then turn around and come back mm-hmm. they've seen some stuff man like <laughs> i think i think the stories they could tell would be incredible yeah that sounds neat they've probably seen some incredible sights and i would love to talk to them about that i love that yeah what about you um mine's a little bit a little bit out there I chose the Quaka <laughs> so that I could do a 60 Minutes-esque interview regarding its parenting habits. Mm-hmm. We would have to turn this into a true crime show if we could interview a Quaka. Yeah, yeah. Although it might be pretty quick. Like, did you do it? Yep. All right, roll credits. Yeah, and I'd do it again. <laughs> I doubt they feel any remorse. Yeah, yeah. Well, Those... I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I assume being able to communicate means bumping up their intelligence a bit <laughs> <laughs> like giving them some also like logical processing skills oh, that might be bad though because like once they gain more intelligence they're like oh no what have i done <laughs> <laughs> well that would also assume that they would be instilled with human values like just an increase in intelligence wouldn't necessarily give yeah. them the same sort of values that humans have yeah, i'm gonna back out of this rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> where does morality come from <laughs> nope nope nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> this just became a philosophy podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, question number four. This is our next question. What animal do you think is the most misrepresented or misunderstood? This comes to us from Cortland at the Up All Night podcast, one of our one of our buddies from the Podcast Junkie mm-hmm. Discord server where this question was asked. Yeah. I'm going to go with wasps. Okay. You didn't also say wasps, did you? No, I did okay. not. I'm going to say wasps. They are way better pollinators than people think they are. Okay. I think kind of like a common thing to say about them is like they don't even do anything like for the environment. They're just there to be rude. They only sting people and they don't do anything else. It's not true. Hmm. They do pollinate. Actually, if you look at like macro photography of wasps, if you Hmm. look at a really close picture, they do. They do have those like fine hairs on their body that catch pollen. Sure. Not as much as a bee. So they're not as prolific at pollinating as bees. But something that they do that bees don't that is still important for the ecosystem is their predators. So they do keep the populations of other insects and stuff like that. They keep them in check. So they're performing a really important ecological role that I think a lot of people don't think about because Mm -hmm. all they associate them with is being a nuisance because they will sting you they can when provoked (laughs) they could um, come at you and also they do kind of like to build their nests and stuff pretty close to where humans also like to be active so you probably would have more run-ins with wasps than you might with bees but and also there's no way real way for humans to capitalize on wasp activity like we do for bees. That's you know, true. for bees it's like, oh, they make us honey. We like them because we can profit off of them. But <laughs> wasps don't necessarily make a product that we can sell. So yeah, they yeah. don't really have as much of a good PR system. So I'm just that's wasps. I get that. Yeah. For me, an animal I think is very misrepresented are snakes in general. Yeah, definitely. There's lots of fear and misunderstandings um, around their behaviors, particularly. Uh, So in the water moccasin episode, we talked about how 
they have a bad rap for being aggressive, which mm-hmm. is not really true. They'll run if they can. Most snakes. Yeah. Like, Most snakes will take that approach. <laughs> yeah. Most snakes kind of understand that like yeah. you you could mess them up. Mm-hmm. Kind of that misunderstanding leads to a, you know, better them than me or my family or my pets kind of mindset. That's kind of the excuse for, you know, killing snakes on site. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people try to only do that with venomous snakes, but the typical person isn't an expert at identifying species of snake. Right. It can be really easy for you to like maybe confuse a corn snake yeah. with like a copperhead or something. Yeah. So that's the common one in our area. But uh, another one is, you know, water moccasins and uh, what are they called? Black racers. Right? Yeah. Well, no, you'd be you'd be able to tell a black racer from a water moccasin. Just, you know, black snakes in general. If people <laughs> see like a, a, a dark colored snake, they yeah. usually will be like, it's a water moccasin. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that kind of sucks. So so a, a snake might be misidentified that is harmless, but it is misidentified as one that is harmless. It's not cool. I, I take the approach, you know, even if it is a, a venomous snake, you know, it was, you know, here before me. Not yeah. going to mess with it. If it's really in a nuisance area and it's not leaving, there are plenty of organizations you can contact to move them professionally. Yeah. And plus, I would prefer snakes hanging around than uh, too many rodents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's something that you take into consideration is like, would I rather have one snake right. or 50 mice? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or rats or whatever it is you've got crawling around in, yeah. in your house. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's fine to keep them around as pest control. Yeah. Like that snake's not going to have much of a reason to come into my house. Yeah. Mice, however. Yeah, they will get in there. That the snake doesn't want to be in there. <laughs> so lots of ways to educate that, you know, about it really. Yeah. So next question? Yeah. Okay. So question number five. Is there an animal that really squicks you out? If so, why? It comes from Nicole Dornsife, also known as Thornwolf via Twitter. This is also my first time seeing the word squicks. I love it so much, it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> But I get what I get what she's going for there. Do uh, you want to take that one first? Sure. I will also say that also Dalton Weeks on Facebook also sent me a message literally like ten minutes ago, oh. um, asking what animal scares you the most. Yeah, yeah, which is very along the same line. So I'm going to sure. combine them into one question and with a qualifier. Like if you were to come face to face with it, you'd just die. <laughs> I've interpreted this a little differently, but that's okay. Well, that's okay. <laughs> so in real life, I've mentioned this a few times, especially in the last few episodes where we've talked to like an ichthyologist, a squid biologist. Mm-hmm. We've been talking to a lot of like people that work in marine biology. I have a phobia of fish, crabs, shrimp, lobster. If it lives in the water, I'm <laughs> probably terrified of it. I... It's. I just don't like to share space with them. I don't like to be in water where they are, and I don't like for them to be out of the water where I am. <laughs> like, if I'm on a boat where people are fishing, and they reel a fish in, and the mm. fish is out of the water, I need to be as far away from that fish as I can physically get. Like, <laughs> I hate it. And I also don't like swimming in open water very much for the same reason. Not that I hate them. It's just that it's something my brain does. Like, when I'm near them, I panic. I don't know why. It's just the way that I feel. So that's definitely one for me. But also, I've never encountered one outside of a zoo environment, but I'm pretty sure I would have a heart attack and die if I ever encountered an adult gorilla. Ah, yeah, I guess. They're solid muscle. They could snack you in half (laughs) if they wanted to. A gorilla is nothing to mess with. And they're I feel like they're a little bit unpredictable, too. I feel like I wouldn't be confident enough to know exactly how to avoid 
sending it into like a, a, a raging frenzy. I mean, I feel that way kind of about great apes in general. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just feel like I would be so, I would be paralyzed I yeah. think, with yeah. fear if I encountered a gorilla. Probably a, a gorilla is the one that probably scares me the most. Sure. But I, to, to more directly address the question of like an animal that makes me squeamish, mm-hmm. like an animal that is just, ugh, that just grosses me out, uh, lampreys. Oh, okay. Lampreys. Yeah. Everything about them is horrible. <laughs> it's so bad. You know what's a little worse, though? What? Cookie cutter sharks. Cookie cutter sharks? You've never seen a cookie cutter shark? No, what is a cookie cutter oh, shark? Oh, man. <laughs> Hold on, let me Google it real quick. Cookie cutter shark. What is this? <laughs> Ew. So, lamprey will, you know, latch on and, you know, suck away, right? Sure. Cookie cutter shark will take a chunk out of whatever it's oh, attached to. Oh, no. You, was you, this your answer? No. This was not it? <laughs> this is horrible. Yeah. So, you'll see, like, they're called cookie cutter sharks because it's like a almost a perfect circle kind of cut out of whatever they were latched onto. <laughs> One of the results on here is an actual cookie cutter that's shaped like a shark. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I still think lampreys are grosser, though, because it's really easy to see pictures of the inside of their mouths because they suck on the sides of glass like yes. at aquariums and stuff. So you can just see directly into their pit of terrors that is their mouth. And mm-hmm. it's just it's just a, it's just concentric rings of these tiny little needle pointy yeah. teeth and it's it's the stuff of nightmares. Well, it's also the inspiration for a lot of alien and monster design. I can I definitely see why. Yeah. 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 Lampreys is it for me. What what could it possibly <laughs> be for you? So I I interpreted this a little differently. So the way I thought of this question was what makes you go like you? That's kind of what I felt sure. like for lampreys. I put hairless cats. <laughs> yeah, they do. Why are you like that? <laughs> Why are you such a snob for hairless cats? I don't like how their skin moves. <laughs> do you feel the same way about naked mole rats? Uh, not really. Why? Because well, okay, so so when when you see videos of hairless cats, uh, you know someone runs their finger along their back, and then <laughs> all of their skin scrunches up. <laughs> if there were fur on that skin, it would be cute, but. <laughs> I think they're don't so like cute. Don't like it. They have these. Their eyes bulge out more when they don't have any hair. It's really cute, though. They, you see their like webbed toes or mm-hmm. whatever, and then you know even more exposed butthole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What What animal are you the most scared of? Uh, see, I wasn't prepared for this one. Um, this is on the fly. Is it the bear from Annihilation? <laughs> That's not real. It can't hurt me. <laughs> Only psychologically. <laughs> Any kind of, I guess, gut parasite or blood parasite. Mm, you know? Yeah. The unknown. The, the one you don't notice until it comes out an orifice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Like a tapeworm or yeah. something bad like that. Yeah. Gross. Oh, speaking of creepy parasites, mm-hmm. our next question, which is along the same vein as this question, so this is where I put it. Why does Christian get stuck with doing the awful insects everyone hates, and does he enjoy making the audience uncomfortable? And that is from Kyle Rouch via email. Uh, because I volunteer myself, mostly. <laughs> you, you really do. <laughs> and second question was, do I enjoy making people uncomfortable? The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have a quick rebuttal. Okay. I did talk about the puss caterpillar and their poop cannons. 
True. Like very recently. True. So I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty sometimes. <laughs> I'll talk about the gross dudes sometimes. <laughs> it's just not my aesthetic. People are just mad about the flesh drill. <laughs> still, I don't think anyone will ever be over that. But it's fun. It was. Right? I'm still having fun. <laughs> Up next, we had a few different questions that were all very good from Alex Holt via Twitter. First of which is what extinct animal do you think you'd score the highest? Uh, for me, I chose the Megalodon. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Big old guy. What yeah. is I mean, didn't seem like he had very many uh, contenders. <laughs> <laughs> but was he smart, though? Obviously not. Probably not. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Unless you ask. Uh... Give him an effectiveness of zero because he is dead. Well, that's what we're talking about, extinct <laughs> people. I know. I picked the thylacine. This is the carnivorous marsupial that lived in Australia, hmm. um, also known as the Tasmanian tiger. The oh, okay. Tasmanian wolf, either one. They lived in Australia until a competition with dingoes, because dingoes came over into mm-hmm. Australia not that long ago, just a couple thousand years ago. Sure. So so competition with dingoes combined with this increased human activity kind of choked them out, hmm. um, and they just went extinct once humans really kind of got a foothold in the area. And the last known thylacine died in the Bomaris Zoo, located in Tasmania, in 1936. Oh, that's... The last known thylacine. That's more recent than I was expecting yeah it was kind of a slow burn although it's thought that the they went extinct on the mainland like thousands of years ago like two thousand years ago oh, um but they still had these populations in some of the like islands like in tasmania oh, okay so yeah the last one died there's a photo of it you can see a photo of like the yeah. last living thylacine it's one huh. of those old grainy black and white photos neat that's what i think because i think that i think it probably had a good combination of effectiveness and ingenuity and also it's beautiful so uh, that's one. That's the one I would probably give a good rating. Cool. Another question from Alex Holt: If you could pick one of the animals you've covered so far to get to see in the wild, which would you pick? I have two. Okay. First of all, being the tiger. Okay. Which I didn't cover, but I talked about it with um, Tyus Williams a couple episodes ago. Definitely tigers, although I know that's a long shot. It's very very difficult to find tigers in the wild um, these days. But I would love to see one someday. I think that'd be great. No? You're you're shaking your head no. It would be nice to see them, but the situation you'd have to be in Mm. just makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It's like one of those Jurassic Park moments where you see one tiger and then this other one's coming around and then you say, clever girl. (laughs) No, they don't hunt in packs. What are you doing? Well, this goes back to my um, not logical fears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think that by the time you see one, it's probably already too late. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, a tiger is one. And the other one for me is a bearded vulture. Okay. No, this one's way more attainable. You can just go see them where they live. Huh. I would love to see a bearded vulture. I would love to see one doing its whole bone dropping thing. Mm-hmm. And I just think that would be really cool. I think they're beautiful. I would love to see one in real life. Nice. What you got? I'm really surprised you didn't pick this one. Uh, I put I picked the capybara. Yeah, so, that would be nice. <laughs> and I'm talking about where they're native. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see them in the wild because, one, they're very cool animals, very chill. But also, the area they live in, you're likely to see lots of other cool animals and things. That's true. It's not the same as being in person. 
but there is a Twitter account that I follow that I'm a little bit obsessed with, mm-hmm. b- with a name, Bruno Brack, and the handle is at B-R-K-B-R-U. And this, I'll just read you their bio. Retired Swiss development agent camera trapping in the South American Chaco. And basically all that this account ever posts is just videos taken by camera traps out in South America. Mm -hmm. So it's constantly, it's all like capybaras, it's jaguars, it's coatamundis. It's like all of these gorgeous animals and you're seeing them as they're like walking along their own trail and doing their own thing. And they're in their element, they're in the wild and they're so beautiful. And so many of the videos are of capybara because they travel (laughs) in huge crowds, right? And it's, you could pretty reliably predict where they're going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my favorite videos are videos of capybara families all traveling together. It'll be a herd of a bunch of them all together with the babies oh. and the little babies are running behind. A lot of the videos <laughs> will be of capybara. Like they'll come onto the shore and then they'll just slowly like walk into the water and you can see them just like slip peacefully into the water and swim away. Aww. They're beautiful. Yeah. Follow Bruno Brack if you're not already for some top shelf capybara content. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Uh, And then Alex Holt's last question was, what do you reckon would be the highest and lowest scoring animals that you find around your house or garden? Which, quick side note, this is a slight regional variance in English where, um, so Alex Holt lives in the UK and in the UK, the word garden refers to what we call our backyard. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what what we call a yard, they call a, a garden. Okay. So just, you know, in the... In our property area. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. What you got? So my highest, I was going to say, is the osprey. Mm, That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, swoop, first and foremost. (laughs) That's true. We have loyalty. (laughs) Very good bird. Eats fish. Um, Good at eating fish. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the lowest one? or We probably have the same lowest one. I doubt it. My lowest one is mosquitoes. Oh. (laughs) My lowest one was puppy. No. (laughs) My dog puppy. <laughs> my highest, my highest rating I was gonna give was for the coyote. Okay. Because Christian saw coyotes <laughs> behind our backyard a couple weeks ago, so we assume that there are coyotes in the woods it behind our house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the coyotes, I think, probably have a really good combination of effectiveness and also ingenuity. They're probably pretty clever. I, I imagine canids to be pretty clever, and I think coyotes also. Sure. So I think they have a good combination of all the different factors. So I would probably say a coyote. Okay. What do you have against mosquitoes other than the obvious? It's that. That's it. They're horrible. That's it. I hate them so much. <laughs> we live in a particularly humid area, not only because it's Florida and all of Florida is like that, but we have a pond in our backyard. <sighs> yeah, it's got, it's, the, it's got its pros and cons. Oh my gosh. Summers are unbearable. You cannot <laughs> walk outside. Now, luckily, we do have a very high population of frogs and dragonflies yeah. that help out a lot with the mosquitoes, but not enough. I don't think they're pulling their weight as much as they should be. I just wish I could constantly run an electric current across the surface of my skin. <laughs> <laughs> they should make armor that's just <laughs> a low-level electric current that just... <laughs> Glides along your skin. Like that. 
<laughs> like no, yeah, yeah. A bump I'm gonna scratch at for the next week. <laughs> Make worse. So our, our last few questions are from Kyle Rouch, okay. who sent these in via email. So next question from Kyle: What is the biggest struggle you faced when making episodes so far? You are the one that does about, <laughs> I'd say. 80% of the work. <laughs> I don't know if it's 80%, um, but I, uh, so a little peek behind the curtain. I do the editing yeah. um, and I do like the posting, I do the social media, I do a lot of that stuff outside of just the actual recording process. So it might sound like all we do is hit record and then talk and then post that on the internet. Um, I think that before I really got into podcasting, I assumed that that was like <laughs> the podcasting process that you just record a conversation and post it on the internet. But a lot, a lot more work goes into it than I think maybe people might know about. Mm -hmm. So we have to do our research for each episode, which takes a long time. <laughs> it takes hours yeah. because we try to be really thorough. And then after we record, I go through the entire episode and I edit it. So I'm editing for levels. I'm making sure that the volume sounds good and consistent. I do this thing a lot where I'll start a sentence and then not know where it's going and then start the sentence back over again. Mm -hmm. I know you guys don't want to hear me doing that for like 30 minutes. <laughs> so I, I cut a lot of that stuff out. I take out a lot of ums and uhs and long pauses and stuff like that. So you get a nice polished finished product. I can't take them all out. Sometimes a few of them sneak by because it's better to just leave them in when you can't get them out in a way that sounds fluent. Right. So... Yeah, a lot of work goes into it. And just as with any passion project that requires a lot of work, motivation can be hard to come by. So a lot of that stems from like insecurity and worrying that like this is not good enough. I can't put this out. Everyone's going to hate this and nobody's going to ever listen again. And everybody's going to unsubscribe and nobody's going <laughs> to ever talk to me again and everyone will hate me. So so that can really drain your motivation, right? When you have a lot of these like insecurities about what you're doing. But the feedback that we get from our audience really helps a lot with that. Um, so when people send us like a message that just says they were listening um, after I get over the brief panic attack that I have that people actually listened to the podcast that I made. There's like this recurring sort of joke among podcasters that like you beg people to listen and you desperately want people to listen. And then as soon as they do, you're like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, don't listen. It's horrible. Um, so, yeah, just the when people like let us know that they've been listening and enjoying that helps a lot. Even just from from like one person can kind of make my day a little bit sometimes. Aww. Yeah. What's your struggle? Uh, for me, it's just straight up procrastination, <laughs> um, which is a kind of a lifelong theme for me. <laughs> well, okay. So the reason I'm able to do a lot of this stuff is that I kind of have more time for it. You're much busier, I think, in general than I am. You have a lot more like stuff going on and True. I kind of have the free time to dedicate to it. So, yeah, yeah. I think I have a struggle a lot of folks have, you know, where, you know, you're busy at work most of the week. And then you're burnt out when you come home, right? Yeah, like you're tired. Yeah. You just want to relax. And then when it's the weekends, you're trying to get chores done and stuff that you can't get done during the week. So. Yeah. It's a little difficult to just find time for, like I said, like it's a lot of work. It Even is. like the, the component that you're doing is the research 
well, first you have to pick which animal you want to talk yeah. about, which that's a process in itself. Sure so you have to is. pick the animal and then you have to research the animal and then we have to record. So like that by itself is like, I don't know, maybe like five or six hours of work. Yeah, um, sounds right. Like just for you on your end. So even that's a lot to make time for. Yeah, and I'm thankful every day that <laughs> you know you're you're doing such a great job on the the majority of everything else. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> It's a, it's one of those things that is just a passion project, you know, like it's just something that makes me happy to do. I, I don't feel like it's work, you know, I, it doesn't feel like hard work. It feels like something that I'm doing for fun. Very good. Yeah. Kyle's next question was, what is Isaac's favorite episode? His own episode is his favorite episode, the one that he was on, because he does not care about my stupid podcast. <laughs> He's listened to like a couple of episodes, uh-huh. but... It's not, it's like he listens to me talk every day. He doesn't care. Well, plus for him to listen to one of our episodes, that means you have to listen to one of our episodes that I've, again. That I've already listened to three times. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. yeah. But also, like, I've tried to, like, turn it on in the car with him, and he mm. was, like, mildly into it. But, um, no, he does not care about my show. <laughs> he, It's just not it's not different for him. Like I talk about animals to him all the time. I'm always in that sort of educator mode for him. So it's nothing different. It's, he really doesn't get much out of it. He doesn't care. (laughs) It's not interesting to him. He loves this podcast called brains on. It's definitely more geared for kids. They have lots of like little side skits that they Mm -hmm. do and lots of cute little like sound effects. And, and it's much more engaging for little kids. It's less like conversational like ours. Um, but yeah, Isaac does not listen to the show. <laughs> uh, our next question from Kyle was, will you ever do a pet episode such as domesticated house cat or dog? Maybe. I am not necessarily against the idea. I don't think it's a bad idea. However, my aim with the show is to kind of tell people things they don't know. Sure. Like give people new information. And I feel like so many people are already so familiar with dogs and cats just from having them around and spending their lives with them. You probably know a lot about cats and dogs already. (laughs) So I don't feel like there's a lot I can add to that conversation. True. Also, there's so many podcasts out there about dogs and cats already. Like when you go into like when you're looking at podcasts that are about animals, most of them are about dogs and cats. Maybe we could do one specific to our cat and dog. If that would be the only way to do it would be if we, because another reason I'm hesitant to do a dog and a cat episode is that I know that can be a really heated debate. Sure. Like, I know people can get super defensive about dogs versus cats. There's a whole Boruto episode about it. I know you were just watching it, <laughs> but that's real life, right? Like people do get super defensive and super heated about like whether dogs are better than cats or cats are better than dogs. And I just don't want to weigh in on that. Like I just don't want to get in the middle of it. Sure. So um, it, I'm not against the idea. It's just there's a lot to think about there um, that, that's holding me back from it. But who knows? Maybe someday. Yeah. I know that people request it literally all the time, <laughs> constantly. And, and us not having done a dog and cat episode yet is not because we're ignoring people or because we think that's a bad idea. It's just that like it's not something that really fits with what we're going for right. yet. Could be a fun, like a fun... Uh, One-off thing. Yeah, it would have to be something silly like that. Have to be like an April Fool's episode or something where we talk about Puppy and Aki. <laughs> the first zeros. 
So along the same vein, Kyle asked specifically, will we ever do the sea otters and make Kyle happy? And this is a little bit of an in-joke if you're not in our Facebook group that Kyle Rauch, who is a a very dear friend of mine since high school, um, has been incessantly requesting sea otters since we launched and we have not done them yet. But (laughs) Which is is probably frustrating because Ellen is... Very vocal about how much she loves sea otters. I love otters. I love them so much. We got to hang out with them at the Georgia Aquarium. It was yeah. so good. We got to pet them and boop their noses. Yeah. They're so good. I, I do love them. But I did want to take this opportunity to kind of describe the process that we use when we're picking what animals we're going to talk about for the week. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> it takes a lot. There's a lot to think about, right? Yeah. Like, we do have legitimate, like, lengthy conversations about what we want to talk about this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just like oh this seems cool sure like i'll go for it we first of all we try to vary up the types of animals we talk about so i think that mammals tend to be overrepresented in a lot of educational materials about animals like i think that everybody wants to talk about mammals you know like you think of all of the charismatic species that you probably know about it's probably all mammals or mostly mammals so i feel like they get a lot of attention anyway so we try to you know, bring some attention to some underappreciated animals like invertebrates and amphibians and reptiles and things like that, that people might not necessarily know they want to know about, you know, like I I try to be mindful of, is this an obscure animal that people are going to want to learn about? Um, But in the same vein, we know that you guys want to hear about those popular animals, right? Like the, the, the ones that like you've heard of, but maybe you don't know everything about them and you would like to know more. So like we try to sprinkle those in too and show them some love too. So we're kind of finding balance between like the obscure animals and the more popular like crowd pleasing animals. But another thing is that when we're, looking at our request list which we keep a massive spreadsheet of all of the requests that we get Mm -hmm. and we keep track of like who requested them like you know what type of animal it is so that we can look at it in an organized way and i really do try to make sure that if somebody has requested an animal and we haven't done one of their requests yet i try to get to it like i try to give everybody a shot to have like a shout out on the show like if somebody i know has been listening for a while and they're like really engaged and mm-hmm. I recognize that like that they're they're just you know I've gotten acquainted with somebody over like them engaging with the show and I like them and I want to give them a shout out on the show yeah uh, then I feel like I will make time to like get to their request yeah but I I try not to like do too many requests for the same person over and over again because we only we're at the point now where we only are talking about four animals per per month true so. Because you and I do yeah, two true. regular episodes per month, yeah. so we're only talking about four animals per month. Like yeah. we don't, we only have so much time. True. We like to try to get to everybody. Sure, which is possible given our current scale and size. Yeah, it's going to get to the point where like there's no way we can possibly get to everybody. Right, um, and we still haven't gotten to everybody just because of how. I try to balance it with like what what type of animal have we not talked about? Right. Like you know, I try to balance it out, and then what's what's interesting? There's some animals out there that like are super interesting, and I would love to talk about, but there's no research on them, right? Oh, yeah. Like there's yeah. just not enough information that we can't fill 
a whole episode with, you know, there's so many deep sea creatures that I think are absolutely fascinating, but there's no way I could talk about them for 30 minutes. Yeah. Like they're, they're barely taxonomically organized. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, you know, there's a lot of ones out there that I'm like, yes, I feel you. I also want to learn more about this animal, but I cannot because I do not have that information. Right. So, yeah, there are a lot of factors that go into us choosing our animals each week. It's yeah. very complicated and it can be a little bit <laughs> it can be a little bit much sometimes. <laughs> so the next question was kind of targeted towards me in particular. Mm -hmm. It was also from Kyle. I know one of your talking to Ellen favorite animals is a tiger, but what is Christians? What is your favorite animal? So this is a difficult question for me to answer. I know it's so rough. <laughs> I don't think I have one. Um, I, I would say that, yes, tigers are very important to me and they are like one of my favorite sure. animals, but I would also, there are so many animals I would rank up there with tigers and how much, like how special they are to so, me. I mean, I was thinking about tigers and I know if you were to take a trip to the Jacksonville Zoo and you had to only see one animal there, I'm sure it would be the tigers. It's gotta be it. So I was trying to think, okay, what if I thought the same way? I was like, okay, now what if it was a zoo that had every single animal? <laughs> I wanted to see one and that didn't help. So, <laughs> so I'll just talk about like where my motivations come from with animals. So as a kid, like many kids that were growing up in the 90s and the early aughts, I aspired to be the next Steve Irwin. <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't? Right. Uh, I was particularly interested in marine life and reptiles, kind of his bread and butter, right? Uh, and you still kind of do. Those still kind of are your yes. favorites. Yes. Yeah, so I was going to say, that's kind of, even today, those are the animals I'm most excited to see at zoos and the like. How perfect that we live in Florida. <laughs> we have, yeah. have no shortage of marine life and reptiles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's about as narrow as I can get it. Mm -hmm. Really interested in sharks and snakes, that kind of thing. As a kid, I was all gung-ho about being a marine biologist. <laughs> uh, when I think of like an animal that reminds me of you, I think of the whale shark. Yeah. I'm really interested yeah, watching those mm -hmm. at the Georgia Aquarium. Yeah. Because I have a lot of really nice memories with you at the Georgia Aquarium Aww. going to see whale sharks. Aww. That'd be another good animal to see in the wild if mm -hmm. possible. Definitely. I don't know how rare they are or how difficult they are to find, but I feel like I don't think I would be as terrified to be around a whale shark as I would be with like maybe say like a humpback whale sure. because the humpback whales and the blue whales do regularly like surface yeah. and like breach sort of and, and like slap their tail and, and they're like messing around where I am in my zone and they could affect me. Right. Whereas a whale shark is going to be chilling under the water. They're not going to do anything that could in any way harm me. True. How about you? Well, <laughs> no, that was, that was, that question was specifically for you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Cause I'm not, uh, I'm very vocal about how I feel <laughs> about certain animals, but I would say other than tigers, my favorite animal I would think would be the pangolin. Okay. Yeah. I just find something hypnotic and perfect about them. I think it's the scales. I think it's like the way that their scales are patterned in like such a geometrically consistent way, but how they start off very small at the head and they get very big towards the back of the body. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the ratios are so pleasing. I just love them. Yeah. And I think the last question from Kyle <laughs> Rouch, have you found a doomerang yet? The answer is yes. He lives in our storage closet under the stairs. <laughs> 
Isaac was thrilled with how many people sent him birthday messages and, you know, responded to his little Doomerang episode. I know that um, Dalton Weeks and also Alex Holt drew some fantastic fan art of the Doomerang. <laughs> um, and Isaac was floored. He was so excited. He was really happy to see that. So, um, yeah, just thank you to everybody that enjoyed that. I was so nervous posting that because I was worried that everyone was going to be like, nobody wants to hear your kid. Like, you know how that there's a thing that like your kid is always cutest to you. Sure. <laughs> like other people don't necessarily think your kid is as cute as you do. <laughs> I was worried that I was going to post that and people were going to be like, that's the dumbest thing you've ever done. But <laughs> but people have responded very warmly to it. And I was very pleased by Aww, that. Nice. And, and Isaac was too. He really appreciated that. Well, I think that's all. All of our questions we had some really good questions yeah i think that really the best part of taking on this project and like how it's gone is how many friends i've made oh you know like there are so many people that now i feel like people that i met just because they listened to our show and reached out or maybe i reached out to them about our show and and just like over time now they've actually become real friends you know mm. it's not just like oh somebody who listens to my show it's now like my friend so i've made friends and recently as we've been reaching out to scientists and zoologists and zookeepers and like all sorts of just really incredible people that are sharing knowledge with us. Like, I feel like I've had some of the coolest conversations of my life uh, with, with people that I've like gotten to talk to because of doing the show. So the, the show's about animals, but like the experience is about the people. Oh, <laughs> I just really, I'm, I'm so pleased with the community around like people that, that are in our Facebook group or on our Twitter or anything like that. Just like everyone has been so cool. And I'm so thankful for the people that we have connected with over the show it's very nice it is i know i'm way more active on social media than christian is trust me he's lurking <laughs> it's true he doesn't always he doesn't always respond or engage but he's <laughs> lurking except on the twitter you don't you don't creep the twitter yeah i don't know i haven't gotten the hang of it i think <laughs> twitter's not really your whole thing it's not. but but he's always lurking the Facebook group. He sees all. He's always watching. He might not respond, but he's there. He's there in spirit. Might drop a like. <laughs> oh, Master has blessed us with a like. <laughs> Thank you, sir. That's all we got for this week. Well, thanks, honey. Thanks for putting this together. Thank you for indulging me. This was fun. Here's to many more years. I know. I hope so. I hope we can keep going. You know, it's it's not, apparently, <laughs> apparently it's not that common for brand new podcasts to make it to a year. Nice. We're like a small business. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what they say about small businesses is that they become profitable after a year. So yeah. who knows? <laughs> Very well might. <laughs> so yeah, I hope that we keep doing this for a long time because it is a lot of fun for and sure. it it's very rewarding experience and a very exciting experience i always my whole life have wanted to do something like related to wildlife studies or what like just something related to zoology and i feel like this is has given me a chance to live that life and chase that dream mm. so we're, we're doing it yeah all right that's it thanks babe yeah thank you 
Love you. I love you. <laughs> and I love our listeners. Me too. And I love Puppy. He is asleep. She's snoring <laughs> on the floor. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.